Welcome to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast, a relaxing and informative show where we explore anxiety, panic, and PTSD, sharing how you can overcome them for life. Aloha, welcome back to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Gina Ryan, and I'm so happy to have you with us again today. You know, we offer so many different ways to help you guys with your journey back to peace and calm, so I hope you're taking advantage of everything we offer. I'm telling you today, we have a very, very special guest, so it's going to be a special show. I have with me, waiting to chat, Steve Ozanich, and he's going to talk to us about TMS, so you may want to be taking notes. But before we get to Steve, I want to remind you of all of the things over on our website that you can uh, check out. Go on over to anxietycoachespodcast.com and you know, that's where you can send us an audio message if you want to have your question answered on the show or you just want to be in touch with us. Go on over there. If you have an email questions, send it to anxietycoachespodcast at gmail.com. And now for today's guest, I want to introduce him first because I'm sure he wouldn't say all these wonderful things about himself. Steve Ozanich is the leading health coach for healing patients with TMS, and that stands for Tension Myoneural Syndrome or the Mind-Body Syndrome. Steve is the best-selling author of Back Pain, Permanent Healing, Understanding the Myths, Lies, and Confusion. Steve had chronic pain for over 30 years and learned from the renowned Dr. Sarno on how to cure his own back pain. He's been featured in Forbes magazine and recently on Howard Stern. You can find out more about Steve at www.steveozanich.com and that link will be in the show notes. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Steve. Thanks, Gina. I appreciate the opportunity to get to help some of your listeners. Absolutely. You know, like I said when we were chatting earlier, even if you don't have back pain yourself, often we know somebody who does. So I'm hoping that you could first tell us a little bit about how you got involved with Dr. Sarno. I knew Dr. Sarno's book way back when, but I didn't know anybody at the time with back pain, so I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. I was into mind-body stuff, but this back pain piece is huge. I'm hoping you can share your personal story to get us started. Sure. And of course, we need to say it's not just back pain. It's every pain, hand, foot, knee, shoulder, fibromyalgia. It doesn't matter. Dr. Sarno changed the world, but the world doesn't know it yet. <laughs> but soon they will with, the, with this film being released. They're, they're going to know about him. And, um, and it, it works virtually every single time. But my story is that I, I started having back pain in my teens and I suffered with it oh, constantly. And I had tried everything, just like everybody else. Uh, everything short of surgery. I had, you know, stretched and hung upside down like a bat. <laughs> mm-hmm. just tried to strengthen my core, and which was really odd. My doctors were telling me I had a weak core, but I was a weightlifter, lifting three, 400 pounds. And it didn't make sense. And, of course, we now know that it's wrong. But 
But in the 1990s, my pain got worse and worse. It got so bad that uh, I was having trouble functioning. I lost 54 pounds at one point. Mm. I My left leg was paralyzed. I had no more feeling in it, drop foot. I was dragging it around for about nine months. And they got so bad I couldn't even hardly eat anymore. And so I was fading quickly. And a friend of mine showed me an article by Dr. Sarno. And so I read the article and it, it kind of made some sense. And so I went home and I bought Healing Back Pain, his seminal work. And I started reading it and I didn't believe it. And I threw the book across the room. <laughs> <laughs> I rejected it outright. And I now know that's because it was true. That's why I rejected it so, so uh, versusly. But um, I went back to that book and um, it saved my life. Uh, and that book, of course, was about TMS, which you mentioned. And he had proven back in the 70s through clinical proof that back pain was not coming from the structure of the spine. It's not coming from the herniated discs or the narrowing, which they call stenosis, or uh, the disc degeneration or the crookedness that they call scoliosis or weak spine or whatever, or even the osteoarthritis in there that they've seen on the x-ray. It is not coming from there. It is coming from the autonomic nervous system. The brain simply, when we put too many demands on ourselves to be perfect and to be good and to make everybody happy, um, when it becomes the overwhelming to us, the brain simply does us a favor and it reduces the blood supply to the spinal muscles and nerves and creates a painful distraction so that the person has to obsess on the body. And that's the key word is the obsession. If you weren't worried about your back, it was something else like the stomach problem or vision or hearing or whatever. It would keep searching with something he called the symptom imperative phenomena. Your brain will continue to search to help you cope through the day until it finds something that you obsess on. And there it will stay. And so when I found his work, I, I didn't believe it, and I, but I got worse and worse and worse until it was a couple of weeks away from surgery where they were going to fuse everything together. And I went back to it, and um, I read it, and I opened up to it, and I, I healed and I've been free from pain now, all all symptoms for 17 years. And uh, wow, 17 years pain free. Yes, I love that. Yes, and of course, it's all an emotional process. And, you know, anxiety, fear, anger, resentment, sorrow—those things. But they're all outside of our awareness. You will never feel them, which is why a lot of people refuse to believe in TMS because they say, oh, "I'm not angry, I'm not afraid, I'm not this and that." But it's unconscious. That's what the word means. You're not aware of it. Right, right. And Steve, how long after you found you you found that I I get it, like the light bulb went off in your mind. I get this. How long did it take you to get out of the back pain? Well, mine was an exceptional case because of how bad it was. I mean, most people don't have a paralyzed leg and they haven't lost 50 pounds. Most right. people just have, you know, nagging pain. And sometimes it's very crippling, of course. He said it's the most painful thing he'd ever seen in clinical medicine. And wow. that's, that's quite a statement for a guy who practiced in New York for 50 years. He had seen everything. But it took me about a year and a half. But it was it was a series of personal revelations for me. You know, these little light bulb moments, you know, I like to call truths. Like I would be laying, you know, the, the big problem is, is not believing that 
that stuff that's seen on the MRIs is causing the problem. That's the, the hardest hurdle to overcome. You can see the bulge and you can see the arthritis and you can see the osteophytes pinching nerves, it looks like. That is a very difficult image to get out of the head. But those things are not causing the problem. And we know it because the people heal virtually every single time who can get outside of that structural type of thinking. So it took me a long time, you know, trying to erase the structural thinking. But you would be laying in bed one night and all of a sudden the pain would just stab you right in the back. You're not even moving. So there's one, I looked at my healing as like a me puzzle, my life, piecing my life back together again, M-E, me. And every time I would get a little glimmer of truth like that, I would put it in that puzzle till I, I completed myself once again. And things like that, little things like for no reason at all, it would just act up. And then, of course, when you're stressed out and when you have an argument or something's worse, the pain rises proportionately with, with the rage. And so... It took me quite a while, but you know, you know, Dr. Sarno's work too, and it doesn't have to take that long. Some people I just talk with on Skype and it disappears. Yeah. And other yeah. people, other people, they read the book and it disappears. And now those are the exception. We, a lot of people feel like they failed if they don't read his book. They'll say, I read his book and it didn't work. I failed. No, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Okay. Some people heal like that. They're able to uproot the current paradigm in their minds and shift it immediately. The norm is that you have to do the work, the life-changing work, which I understand you do too. Yeah, and that's the inner work. Yeah, yes. that's just that's just the piece of it. And uh, because it's unconscious and it's in our subconscious, uh, it, it takes sometimes a little bit of digging. And I know with some of Dr. Sarno's patients that they end up maybe a very small percentage of them needing psychotherapy. And what are you finding in the people that you're helping, Steve? Are most people able to do it without going to psychotherapy? Uh, yes. You know, they, Dr. Sarno, of course, he was just guessing at the numbers. A small percentage would accept this diagnosis and heal completely. A certain percentage could read the books. A certain percentage go to psychotherapy. I, from what I'm seeing, he is correct. He's pretty close. But I am also seeing the worst patients of all. And so it's a little bit different with me in the sense that, you know, I'm not a physician, so I cannot diagnose TMS. You know, I'm not entitled to do that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a psychotherapist. I don't get into family counseling and things like that. I'm a TMS expert. I show people how to heal from TMS. But usually the people have been to all of these other experts and they're so bad. And they'll tell me, Steve, you're my last hope. And I will say to them, well, thanks for putting that pressure on me, <laughs> you know. But um, so I see people very bad, uh, more and more are contacting me that are very serious and they end up in psychotherapy. But the normal route is still just reading the books, doing the internal work. And most of the people heal, probably 80, 90 percent of them heal. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I, I had some personal references to go on this Uh let's see, I think four years ago, I had come down, and I say come down with frozen shoulder because I put it on a possible injury thing, but I understand that frozen shoulder could be TMS. So I started looking back on that. And what I want to point out here is that when I had the MRI, um, they came up with, they saw all kinds of things I had wrong in there, like arthritis, and I had a torn, torn rotator cuff, and my shoulder was frozen. I had um, 
another thing in my bicep, a torn bicep muscle. And I was like, wow, like I actually didn't want to know all that information uh, because because before the frozen shoulder, and I, I had had an injury that may have just sort of where I put my mind to that, but I didn't feel any of that. That arthritis didn't come out of nowhere. It had been there for a long time. Uh, I didn't feel any of that. And it's sort of interesting when, so this is back to them pointing to the x-rays and, oh, you've got a bulging disc or, oh, you've got a scoliosis spine or, and they may have been living with that for a long time and never had pain with it, right? Right, exactly. I mean, that's why my my first book's title is The Great Pain Deception, Faulty Medical Advice is Making Us Worse. It's, it's them pointing to these normal natural changes and blaming the symptoms on that that, are, that have caused the epidemics of suffering all around the world. The doctors don't know they're doing it. They're not purposefully doing it. They're actually trying to help people. You know, most doctors are really good people, and they're trying to, but they don't understand TMS. This is why Dr. Sarno changed the world, and I've got so many great examples, too. You know, um, a guy contacted me last year, he's, you know, frozen shoulder. He said, my surgeon said I have a 90% tear in there and that I need immediate surgery. I'm going to lose the use of my arm. Well, that's part of the faulty advice that, that that's making us worse. So he said, I found your book in between. And I started thinking, wow, you know, I've got a lot going on in my life. Maybe this is this TMS thing. And so um, he started reading and he said, I wanted to go get another opinion. So he went to a new surgeon. And that surgeon told him he had a 10% tear in that shoulder. And so, so that, I mean, and so he ended up healing completely without anything. It also reminds me of the great story Dr. Sofer told. He was one of the medical doctors trained by Dr. Sarno. He said, I had a guy named Jack and he, his, his surgeon told him he needed an immediate hip replacement because of the hip pain. And he, and Dr. Sofer said, humor me, x-ray the other hip for me, would you? And so he did. And that the hip with no pain was much worse. <laughs> it was much yeah. worse. And so he uh, read Dr. Sarno's books and that guy healed too. And so this is, this is why Dr. Sarno needs to win the Nobel Prize in medicine. What he uncovered here is just earth shattering, even though people don't want to believe it, it's still true. And it works virtually every time that the brain is just simply using these changes. It's, it's targeting some of the changes in the bodies, but sometimes it's randomly, maybe sometimes on purpose, but it's not coming from the structure. It's coming from the, the nervous system. Yeah, the nervous system. Yeah. And we have to pay attention to that. Our mind is doing this, and it's doing it, Steve. Explain to my listeners how it does it by the um, reducing the oxygen flow. Would you explain that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, of course, you know, it's trying to help you. That was another thing. That, right. And, and that comes from that great story of Helen that he talked about in all of his books. But um, when, we have, when we place so many demands on ourselves to be perfect and to be good, and to keep everybody happy around us, you know, and be hyper-responsible. And he was the first one, really, that I ever saw that talked about this in his patients. He said, I saw this goodest nature in them. They were very gentle and kind, and they wanted to keep everybody happy. And it turns out that this is great for society, but the deeper self just hates the demands of it. And so we are good employees or good friends and good relatives, but at some point, it, it, it enrages the deeper self. But because we don't want anyone to see us like that, you know, the, the persona is the false mask that we put on every day to people. It's not our true self. 
It's the face we put on to make other people happy. Okay, and so when when that is threatened by this anger and this fear that we will actually unveil ourselves, the brain comes along and it, it just causes a painful symptom to force your mind onto your body and obsess on it. That way, like we talked about earlier, it's the shiny object. You're looking at the symptom, the effect. You're not looking at the cause of it. So it's, it's a diversion, or his, he, he put it, a distraction. And it's trying to help you. It's not trying to hurt you. It's trying to enable you to cope every day and look the same way and try to act the same way and act happy when you're not happy. And, of course, we know from the pain that people aren't happy, but they will continue to tell you that they are. They, they will tell you that everything's going well in their life. And so it comes along, the brain says, I'm going to help this person cope through all of the demands they're placing on themselves. It reduces it just slightly, the blood flow to the muscles and nerves, and it creates this horrific, crippling pain to help you. And I know a lot of people tell me, Steve, I want to tell my brain, stop, thanks for the favor, but then I don't need any more help. But, but the way we're wired as human beings, we would prefer, it looks like, physical pain over emotional pain because emotional yes. pain is so much more threatening and painful to us yes and it's safer for somehow uh, the physical pain is safer to look at to discuss with other people uh than to talk about emotional pain point. Yeah. excellent point yeah i don't know why that's this is the way we're we are wired that, that the body is a storehouse of memories and emotions and all of these things and um you know if we can blame our body. In other words, um, let's just say a marriage isn't going well and the person's not in a job that they like and everything's going wrong and the kids are giving them trouble and they develop back pain. It's easier for that person to blame it on a faulty spine. That way they don't have to be accountable for their life. They can just avoid it. it's not going the way because it's too, too painful for them. It, that's, it's that simple. And yet people will look right at this and say, nope, I saw my MRIs. I cannot believe it. And they go on to suffer. But they will walk with a limp. They'll always sleep on different mattresses. They'll never know what a great mattress feels like as they're sleeping on hard things. They will go out of their way to avoid those emotions the rest of their lives because it's just too painful. And it's easy to accept a failed body than a failed life. Mm, very interesting. And it's that repressed anger. My uh, audience has a lot of interest in anxiety. And so I'm wondering, where does the anxiety fit in with this? You know, I'm looking at repressed anger. Uh, it, does it go repressed anger to anxiety to TMS? Or does the anxiety come for? Where do you put anxiety in this whole equation, Steve? Yeah, this and this is the, the heart of it. The emotions are at the heart of almost every one of our physical problems almost everyone i mean there's a small few things that are are body related that's true but almost everything is tms and it starts with these emotions and there is a hierarchy to them the the one that is the driving force the foundation for all of it is fear that is the the destructive force right there just fear over the existential nature of being of living mm -hmm. and you know people aren't as much as afraid of dying as they are of living <laughs> sometimes and so the fear comes along, and as Dr. Sarno um, labeled anger, he, he defined it as the social reaction to overcoming the source of the fear. In other words, 
everyone can relate to like a little kid running out into traffic and the parents chasing after him and catching him. And what's the first thing the parents do? They get angry at the kid, you know, yeah. or if somebody jumps out behind a bush and scares you, what's the first thing people do? Don't you do that to me again? You get angry at that person. So fear is the driving force behind it. But, but we say anger in all the literature on TMS because it's an easy catch all phrase. There's actually resentment, there's, there's sadness and sorrow. And, but, but if you look at it, those things will cause anger. And so we, we throw everything into the catch-all phrase of anger. And anxiety itself is simply anger that's not expressed. You know, we're unconsciously, the anger's rising, and the fear's rising, and the anger's rising. And when we don't have a confidant, or we don't know how to discharge it through writing or journaling or a counselor, anxiety is the result. And it's a horrific feeling I had it my whole life until I healed. It's mm. horrific. But, and so fear is the thing to work on. That is the, that the way to center all of the attention. Yeah, so that's, a, that's the bottom. You know, a lot of people say we, things are either, you either have fear or love. It's like everything else comes out of both of those. Yeah, that's so. a good point. A lot of people think hate is the opposite of love, but it is not. Fear is the no, opposite of love. When you're enveloped in love, there's no fear. Right, right. And that's why this so, all starts in childhood, by the way. TMS starts in childhood with the fear of abandonment. Oh, interesting. Why don't you say a little bit about that? Sure, yes, I know. I I didn't believe Dr. Sarno at first, but now I teach his work around the world. That's how a life can change quickly. Mm-hmm. But um, I wanted to know, where's this anger coming from? He never really spoke about where it was coming from, but that it was there. And, of course, I was one of those people that didn't quite understand unconsciousness. I was trying to feel this anger, but you'll never feel it. It's unconscious. Right. And so um, I wanted to know where, where it was coming from. And everything that I did, everywhere that I looked, it kept taking me to Dr. Clancy McKenzie's work on separation rage. And uh, Dr. McKenzie he really helped me write my first book, too. A sweet guy like Dr. Sarno, almost the same age, too, I would say. But um, he spent his life under, uh, uh, researching and understanding separation and mainly the separation from mother at an early age. And uh, wow, his, his work really opened up my understanding of TMS itself. Because, you know, he told me, Steve, you know, the anger is coming from the helplessness. Think about it. We would never be angry if we could have everything we wanted at any time we wanted. You know, it's when we're helpless, you know. Um, where there's a divorce or a loved one is dying or um, someone's criticized you. Those are things that you can't help. You're unable to stop. And so we, the anger rises because of the fear of being separated from them. And Mackenzie came up with this brilliant concept, just like TMS with Dr. Sarno, called the two trauma mechanism. And he said he's never seen it fail in 45 years now. But um, when we have a first trauma, let's just say the parents leave us when we're little or they're fighting or they divorce or they're sick, whatever it is, the the fear of abandonment in that child. The younger they are, he said, he proved this, the younger they are, the more helpless, the greater the rage is. And so later in life, when we have a subsequent separation, like another loved one dies or a divorce or whatever, the brain actually reverts back to that initial cut that first trauma that he did a 9,000 patient study in PET scans of the brains. And he said, it's hardwired. We actually become that little child again. When someone threatens to leave us later in life, we become that little child hardwired, same neurotransmitters and all. 
Yeah. And, uh, I've actually had people type to me had severe TMS, severe pain, who tell me I'm typing to you now because I can't speak. They lose the ability to speak. And he said, that's right. At the time of first abandonment, that part of the brain speech development hadn't occurred yet. Right. Pre-verbal. Wow. Yeah, pre-verbal. It's amazing. It is amazing to watch. But that's where the anger is coming from, separation, because everyone knows the greatest fear that we have is being alone. And I, I can see it in every person that I work with, whether they're Oscar winners. I've worked with Oscar winners, professional athletes, uh, CEOs of corporations. It's the fear of darkness, nothingness, loneliness, abandonment. And so that's where the anger is coming from fear of abandonment but it's basically reflected back to earlier time in life so so with all of this happening because that's stuff we can't control it already happened uh and all of us had something like this happen as children and it's subconscious now what what is our let's get into what the uh, listeners can do besides reading Dr. Sarno's work and your work because I I think both of those are amazing helpful ways to just get started and get this idea planted. But what are some you know constructive things that they might do today to kind of look at their pain and 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 look at it from a different perspective? Right, good question because. The number one most asked question to me is, but what do I do? You know, <laughs> I, I agree with it. You know, it's a possibility. They're not quite sure about it, you know, because they're still in the structural world. But, um, but what do I do? And I will say first that, you know, anything actionable that you do to heal your pain is causing the pain to stay. That's right. what he proved. When you go stick it, stretch it, medicate it. Uh, operate on it that's the reason that all these things are epidemic in the world and by the way back pain is now the number one cause of disability in the world we have wow. the most advanced techniques in human history and yet the problems are all getting worse hand pain foot pain shoulder pain because they're trying to fix a body that doesn't need fixed and so um we, you have to stop doing all those things if you really want to heal and get into the mind and that's why it's called mind-body healing. But we also have to be responsible with our lives. We can't be irresponsible and say, I've got this. I'm not going to go get it looked at because we have to make sure there's no malignant processes there. You know, I've seen that one time and I, I, I ran into a guy who had an aneurysm in his back, which is not TMS. You know, the blood was mm -hmm. pushing on a nerve. And so, so we have to be responsible first. Go get checked out if you're not dying. Then ignore everything that doctor says to you about your ruptures and tears and arthritis and all that stuff because it's not coming from there. And this term entrapment they use all the time. It, it freaks people out. There's no nerve entrapment there. The blood is just not getting to that nerve. This is a, a I have a question for you here, Steve, um, because many of the, the physicians that people will visit are not trained by Dr. Sarno in TMS and maybe have never even heard the term so when you go get your physical you find out that you're not dying right that you don't have anything life-threatening right? exactly exactly okay good because that's what i tell people to do we're like you and i steve we're not physicians we want people to be sure they have nothing that is life-threatening but it seems like often something will come up and the doctor will send them to a specialist can you take a little side note here and tell us what might happen then when you end up 
You don't have anything life-threatening, but they see something that a specialist could handle. Yeah, and what you just said there, we could talk about for hours. You really, yeah. you really taught. You opened up a big lid here. Um, first of all, in myself, if I did have something very serious and it was life-threatening, I would not go to a doctor. I would go straight to a psychologist. I would want to know why am I doing this to myself, okay? But I can't do that. I'm, I'm not responsible for their lives. They need to be, you know, and the, the best thing to do is to do that. But from what I've seen on my end, you know, I had a guy from stage four cancer contact me, and he's fine now. He said, your, your first book changed my life. He said, everything that I see now is like through a new prism in life. It's just a new life. And so people are healing from multiple sclerosis through mind-body healing, all kinds of wild things. And Evie McDonald's story with Lou Gehrig's disease, she's got an amazing story. I believe that we do have the power, but not everyone has the tools. That's the thing. Right. We might need help from science. We might need it to, to supplement the tools that we don't have mentally, right? And so the big one of the big problems is the specialists. You know, they... Well, when we segment these things into foot pain or hand pain or shoulder pain or knee pain, we're acting like it's something different when it's all the same thing. You know, mm. TMS evolved. Uh, you know, people who don't understand it here, they won't know it. But he first called TMS tension myositis syndrome. Right. When he thought it was just muscle involvement in the back. And then when he realized, oh, the nerves and tendons are involved. So it changed to tension myoneural syndrome. And then at the end of his career, he, he, he saw much more, of course that it would involve the immune system and everything else in the body. So the term now is the mind-body syndrome, TMS. Right. And so when you segment it and break it down into specialists, and they're going to find something because they're trained to find something. And if, you, if they don't find something in you, the patient will just go find another doctor because the patient's looking for answers. I've got knee pain. I want answers. And, of course, that doctor's going to say there's tears, there's arthritis, this and that, you need it replaced. And these things are almost never, ever true. And yet they were performed like a half a million of those per year in the U.S. alone. And so wow. if, if they want to, if any listener wants to know about it, the best place to start is to read the books on TMS. Get your, get your examination, make sure you're, there's nothing dangerous to your life there, and then start reading it. You know, he, Dr. Sarner used to say, T, the penicillin to this disorder is knowledge. And I can vouch for that. I've worked with thousands of people, and uh, they all—they have all been told they needed immediate surgery, but that not one of them ever did. Not one of them. And so you can imagine the physicians—they don't like Doctor Sarno. They don't like this message. It, it, he had to actually stop eating in the cafeteria at NYU with the other doctors at one point in his career. They just gave him the cold shoulder. They would turn their backs on him, and they even pushed him out of teaching because he was advocating. Wow. This was his great sin. He was healing people by the millions. They didn't. They didn't like it because there was no surgery, no injections, no drugs, no physical therapy. Right. They couldn't. It, you couldn't prove it in the lab, so it didn't exist. Yeah. Right? We'll, that, we'll never yeah. see mind. You know, mind. Right. It's consciousness. It's consciousness. It's governing our senses, and so that takes it into the quantum physics realm at some point. But uh, it. It is. This. This process works virtually every single time, but not many people will believe it. Right. There's a quote in your book about consciousness. It was the only line in your book that I highlighted. I had pages where I highlighted to go back to. Oh, I wish I could remember it right off the top of my head. But it was about the consciousness being the answer. Like, that's where we need to go. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? Can you elaborate? Quote. I, I, I have a writing style that I put quotes through all my books, so I'm not sure which one you mean. Yeah. First book, I uh, probably have 500 quotes in there. I'll put uh, I'll put Steve's quote in the show notes, everyone. I'm sorry I don't have it right in front of me, but it is about our consciousness, and so much of our life and our mind is unconscious. So this really takes special attention, and it takes some uh, curiosity. Like, I think once you get curious about this, you can really open up some new avenues for healing. So would you say the three steps there that you had were to uh, stop the therapies that are like the... uh, the acupunctures and the stretching and the and the certain kinds of uh, particular therapies. Yeah, everything, uh, yeah. Stop everything. All of it, yeah. Anything yeah. actionable and then start learning. If you'll heal through yeah. this. It's a really a great revelation that happens in your mind. Uh, the first email Dr. Sarno sent me, I printed it out, and it says, I presume to call you Steve because we are members of the same fraternity. And I knew exactly what he meant, that, that there are certain people can look right at this and say, yes, that's it. That's the answer. And other people will look at it and say, nope, they're just not ready. They're not ready to heal yet. They still need their symptoms to distract them. And you might be referring to the quote by Deepak Chopra. I'm not sure where he said that it's a lot easier in life when you understand that people are working at different levels of consciousness than you are. And uh, Dr. Sarno expanded our awareness of what's happening in our health and in our lives. And, uh, you know, he he really should win the Nobel Prize for this. Well, you are a wonderful man to be carrying the torch for Dr. Sarno, who is in his 90s now. And do you know the name of his movie that's coming out that people can be on the lookout for? Yes, it's called All the Rage. And the subtitle is Sarno Saved Me. It's, it's, it's about the filmmaker's life, Michael Galinsky, the filmmaker. He was in severe pain, too, like many of us, and Dr. Sarno helped him heal. And he wanted to tell the world like I am right now through a film, because he's a documentarian. And Dr. Sarno showed up to that film. It, it premiered last month in Greenwich Village. And I was going to go, but I had to do a show, and I heard he wasn't going. And then he showed up. But at the, end of, at the end of that film... Uh, the, everyone in that audience stood up for like five or ten minutes and gave him a standing ovation. Oh, that's precious. Yeah, everybody in that room was healed by him. And, and many, many. I was supposed to be in that film, but when they found out they were making it, all of these famous people came out of the woodwork and kind of pushed me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you're not famous enough, Steve. That's yeah, okay. That's you're right. just You're doing really, really good work in the world. And that's the important thing. That's, so I, I appreciate the opportunity. This is beautiful that you're trying to help people in the same way, really. And it, absolutely. if anybody has any questions there, feel free to ask, you know. Absolutely. And again, Steve, thank you for being here with us. And if anybody is looking to find out more about Steve, you can find him at www.steveozanich.com. And I know that uh, he's got a lot of great information. It's a beautiful website, a lot of testimonials and great stuff on there. So, Steve, thank you so much for spending time with us. We wish you much happiness and keep carrying the torch. You're doing good work. Well, thank you. And if they want to see actual people healed on YouTube, the TMS Healing Wall of Victory. Beautiful. Go there. Yeah, those TMS people, Wall shape. of Healing Victory. Yeah, TMS Healing Wall of Victory. Those people were in serious, serious shape and we're told some of them they were dying and they're fine now. Thanks again, Steve. Thank you, Gina.
That's it for today's episode. And I'll be putting Steve's quote in the show notes. So please go there to read it. And remember, if you want more than what is offered here on the podcast, if you want some personal guidance, you might be ready for our group coaching membership or coming to see us one-on-one. Go over to anxietycoachespodcast.com for more information and send us an email, anxietycoachespodcast at gmail.com. You know I'll be back in a few more days with another podcast. Until then, be well and aloha. Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. Find more information at the anxietycoachespodcast.com. 